I just want to say that I'm not speaking today because I have some amazing insight. I speak today um, out of a spirit of brotherly affection for you because I have a conviction that the Lord wants to do so much with this community that I know that his heart uh, is broken for our community and I want our hearts to break with his. Um, so I think uh, as we talk about these things like the spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit and, and um, prophecy in general, it's really easy for us to get caught up in the technicalities um, rather than focusing on what's central. So the central part of this, and I, I want you to, to really know this, it's all about Jesus. Like the, the Holy Spirit speaks to and through us because his fixation, his obsession is Jesus. He is born out of the love of the Father and the Son, and he only wants to talk about Jesus. He only wants to talk about Jesus and the Father. That's what this whole thing is about. I just want to push that uh, to the forefront. But as a general view for what's going to happen um, in this talk, I I'm going to start by talking about the threefold office of Jesus. Um, I'm sure you've heard of it. That's a fancy word uh, that our catechism uses. I'm going to break each of those down. And then I, I'm going to dive into more about uh, the paradigm for what prophecy looks like, right? Uh, ultimately culminating um, in kind of a practical view of, of how we can start implementing uh, this sort of prophetic nature within, within our lives. Um, great. Sweet. So the threefold office of Jesus. We've all heard it. We know it. We love it. Um, you might not know it by that, that term, um, but in essence... It's that Jesus is priest, prophet, and king. We've heard this before, right? This, these three truths are the roles and the duties that Jesus himself carried out throughout his ministry on this earth, right? So by virtue of our baptism, we have the privilege to be called priest, prophet, and king along with him. And I, what I actually want to propose today is that while those three things reveal parts of him, they likewise, because we have received that same identity, reveal parts of him within us, of ways in which we interact with the Holy Spirit himself and with God the Father that are specially manifest through these, these three. Um, sweet. So I am going to go about these three in a way that all of my my awesome anal retentive uh, brothers and sisters are going to be driven nuts. Um, so get over yourselves. Um, anyway, so we're going to start with King. Um, so kingly nature is something that we receive by virtue of the father, right? By King, we know that we have inherited it by our father, that our father sits enthroned over all of creation, all of his beautiful majesty. And he calls us into that. It is a, re a reminder that we ourselves have been ransomed, that we once had a father who in his great love and goodness created this earth, created a people to be his own, and we turned from him, but he wasn't satisfied to let us squander that, that awesome opportunity and that awesome privilege, so he sent Jesus so that we might be ransomed back into the heavenly family. But not only that, but from this heavenly family, he says, I want you to rule with me. That we're not just called to be some lowly prince or princess. We're called in, onto the throne with him. That we have the privilege to rule with him. Right? And I, there are really two things that I want to point out with King in particular. Number one, King reminds us whose we are and what he's done. 
and likewise, in a more practical way, to be a king is to not be lorded over by anything of this world. I think if we aren't uh, actively rebuking fears and anxieties uh, and opinions of others and even earthly hopes that we have, if we aren't actively seeking what the Lord actually has for us and letting those things rule over us, we're not actually taking for ourselves our baptismal right. And that's so important, guys. Um, yeah. Okay, sweet. Priest. Um, so king, priest, so our priestly nature um, is markedly uh, salvific, uh, which is a sweet word. Um, so it, it's all founded upon the sun, right? Um, so I'm actually just going to go straight for Hebrews because uh, the writer of Hebrews is sweet and I love reading it. Um, and it just hits exactly what I'm trying to hit. So I'm going to unpack this once I read it. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. Um, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent that is the Holy of Holies, not made with hands, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For at this sprinkling of defiled persons, with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer, as in the old covenant, sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. When Jesus came to this earth, fundamentally what he came to do was to provide that this final sacrifice, right? But when he went into that holy of holies, right? The writer of Hebrews talks about how there was the temple, yes, but there's actually a sanctuary around the entire majesty of God, that the works of men can't actually enshrine it. That Jesus went into this mystical sanctuary carrying the blood of precious lamb, right? Of the spotless lamb. And he poured it out as an intercessor on the mercy seat of God because he said, God, I want them. I want them. And then on the cross that the veil was torn, I, I had this realization today that when the veil was torn, so often uh, when we think about that, we think that the sanctuary is dissolved, that, that no longer does the sanctuary really exist. I, but actually, the reality of that is the sanctuary is everywhere now. And that Jesus is calling us perpetually into that because now instead of being someone that's being interceded for, we get to co-intercede, that we bring our own blood with his. And while our blood being poured out on the mercy seat, the sacrifice of our lives is not salvific in nature. By our co-mingling with his salvific blood, we are redeemed. This is what it means to be a priest. It's to be sacrificed with him. That Jesus reworked what a priest was really meant to do. That priest was both sacrificer and sacrifice. And we have that privilege as well. Now prophet. And I, I think when we, when we hear prophet, what we tend to do is we just assume that everybody knows what we're talking about and we just kind of move on. Um, and then everybody secretly is like kind of afraid. Um, yeah. So I just want to like give a vague definition right now, uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get back later. So prophecy is the means by, by which we listen to the heart of God and what he is doing. It's listening to the Holy Spirit and proclaiming it, right? 
So I think we often become startled um, by the Old Testament paradigm um, where we, we hear things like, thus saith the Lord, thus says the Lord, I shall smite thee with, with clenched fist or whatever. And we're like, man, I, I don't think that I can do that. You would be correct. You cannot. Um, but what I want to say is that while the form and the purpose of the old covenant prophecy was different than ours, and we'll get to exactly what I think the pur purpose of our prophecy is now, the essence is the same. That they loved the Lord and desired for more of him with his people. So they spoke what the Lord was already speaking, right? So um, I, I want to differentiate the purpose now. Uh, and this is something that a lot of you have probably heard before. I think it's really good uh, to just be refreshed um, by the truth that the Lord has in this. Um, so within uh, the scriptures, within the Greek, uh, there are two separate words um, referring to word or revelation. Um, one is rhema and the other is logos. So logos is probably the one that we're more familiar with. Um, in John's gospel, in the, in the first chapter, it says that uh, the word was with God, right? The word there is logos. So logos refers to something that is absolute, a truth that is set, objective, right? So Jesus is the logos, right? He is set. He is absolute. But then there is rhema, right? Rhema is a common word within the New Testament in particular um, that refers to, uh, it, it literally means utterances, um, but it's, usually used in, in reference to the Holy Spirit. So how the Holy Spirit speaks to both Jesus as well as to the, uh, to the apostles and disciples. Um, and rhema uh, is not uh, a, a definitive thing, right? It, it's an extrapolation. So the analogy, um, so just use your mind's eye with this. Um, the analogy that the Lord was giving me to describe this to you today was if I were to say, imagine a sunrise, um, when you imagine a sunrise, you imagine like all of these pretty colors and like light shining off of trees and like the birds singing or whatever. Um, but by me stating sunrise, there is nothing that is being implied other than the sun rising. That, that's the only thing that that word literally means. All of those other things are merely variations that can appear with the sunrise that are a result of what the sunrise is but are not the sunrise itself. In the same way, rhema, the way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is a riff, if you will, off of the fundamental truth of Jesus. That the way in which um, revelation occurs now is that the Holy Spirit is building upon what already has been built, right? Um, yeah, so in Jesus's proclamation, right? Jesus is, is prophet. Um, so when he was prophet, he was speaking the logos because he himself was the logos, right? He was speaking the fundamental truths of God's heart. But then it also states that Jesus was speaking in rhema, like he would approach individuals and he would proclaim things to them about what the Lord was doing in their lives, right? Jesus was this bridge between logos and rhema, right? In the old covenant, these old prophets were speaking in logos because the Lord needed to reveal things about his heart. But with Rhema and the new covenant, the Lord is just building upon things that we know about his heart so that we might know more. Right? So Jesus was this bridge. Um, and in the same way, 
we have the distinct privilege to operate within that vein, right? So the Holy Mother Church in her infinite uh, goodness um, has, has stated that um, right, public revelation is the logos. Um, these things that are essential for salvation, everything that we need has already been proclaimed. Um, all of those things um, are contained within scripture and tradition. Um, and uh, now uh, we have the rhema, right? So although this, these things that are necessary for salvation have been laid out, we have the distinct privilege to build upon them for the, the acceleration of our hearts towards his, right? Um, so whatever we prophesy, which we'll get to in just a second, it is not new truth, but it is a building off of the truth. Um, cool. So simply put, this is my uh, all-encompassing definition of what prophecy really looks like. Um, so prophecy is listening to the Lord's heart about a given people, person, or situation, seeing what he is doing about it, and speaking it. So in that definition, Yep. Prophecy is listening to the Lord's heart about a given people, person, or situation, seeing what he is doing about it, and speaking it. Any more? Great. So within that definition, right, we have listening to the Lord's heart. Coming forth from the Lord's heart, from the Lord's lips, is the word. It's Jesus. And the breath upon which the word is brought to our ears is the Holy Spirit. So within that, um, we are having, listening to the Lord's heart, we are being conveyed Jesus himself, right? We are having conveyed to us a part of himself that maybe uh, someone really needs to hear. Seeing what he is doing, like I, I talked about in that prayer, the Holy Spirit is a mover. He moves over the waters, right? So we are, are actively seeing how the Lord is moving. That's essential for prophecy. Um, every time we receive a word for an individual or, or uh, a people uh, or a situation, um, there's always a movement that the Lord is doing um, or a movement that he's prompting us to. But speaking is essential. Um, so speaking within prophecy uh, is us uh, we are co-laboring with the Lord um, in the same process by which he spoke creation into being. Um, so the Lord spoke and it was. And by virtue of our identity in him, our words have power. So we speak and by the power of the Lord, it is. Um, yeah. So in the same way um, that yeah, so a lot of us throughout this year and maybe years before um, have just had our prayer lives where they've revitalized or, or, or we've revisited them. Um, and if you haven't this year, please uh, deepen your prayer life. Um, but um, in the same way that, uh, that the Lord wants to hear from us about what's going on in our lives, about you know, what, what's making us happy, what's really like screwing with our minds, what are we feeling, what are our opinions, in that same way, God wants us to hear his. That if those things are good, if thoughts and emotions and feelings and frustrations, if all of those things are good, then that means that they came from him. And not only that, we are made in his image and likeness. They're actually in him. So the Lord has these things as well, right? Not in human form, 
or he scales them to be, right? As we talked about uh, these prophets of it, a lot of times we think about them uh, in like a dictation thing, uh, where like the Lord whispered into their ear that they are to take 10 steps. And then they wrote down, I will take 10 steps. And then they, but the reality um, of divine revelation is the Lord always uh, uses the individual's personality uh, and mind, um, the ways that they already are um, to reveal what he is doing and saying. In that same way, the Lord wants to reveal his heart for a given situation and people to you and allow you to, to color it with your own heart and personality. So in that, there's an accuracy involved, um, but ultimately um, he co-labors with our own individual personalities. Now, um, in that then, uh, we have been given so many different ways to hear the Lord. Uh, a lot of times we, we just focus on like stories of the saints where, uh, you know, the saints receive like, like St. Paul, you know, like, boom, like fires from heaven or, or, or Jesus looking at them. And we think that that is all encompassing of how the Lord wants to speak. Uh, and what I want to propose is that if those were the only times that the Lord spoke, um, the, the command, uh, or, or I guess brotherly, brotherly command um, from St. Paul to pray without ceasing wouldn't be possible. That if prayer is really a conversation and God only talks to us through those supernatural encounters, then that is an impossibility for us to pray without ceasing. But what the Lord in his awesomeness um, does is, is he continually is speaking through each and every thing, each and every moment. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to hear from him, right? Um, yeah, cool. Um, so in that, we have a few like fundamental ways in which he speaks to us uh, through our natural faculties, right? So we have within our own heads and brains um, or the voice of our mind, right? If you were to start reciting the Declaration of Independence right now, I don't even know how it starts. Is it we the people? Whatever it is. Um, no, that's Constitution. Um, Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, if you were to start saying that in your mind, you could hear uh, a... A voice right and that's just like a natural thing that's a good thing that means that you have uh, a, a functioning brain um the lord wants to use that he wants to use your emotions right every single human emotion is compatible with prayer um i think a lot of times we are like emotion shouldn't drive us which is is true but we throw the baby out with the bathwater um because emotions are actually like signs to what the lord is doing in our own hearts and uh both in response to him as well as to those around us. Um, the Lord wants to use our senses and our imagination and our memory. Any of these things that are brought into our minds can be utilized uh, to, to see what the Lord is doing within our hearts, right? And, and within his own heart. So I propose a really simple structure for how we can go about this. Um, so number one, we have to ask questions. Right? So the first question if you want to, to understand uh, anything from anyone is like, what are you feeling? Or what, you know, what's your concern or whatever. So in this case, we could just ask a simple question like, Lord, what is your heart for X? You know, what is your heart for, for my brothers and household? What is your heart for this, this particular uh, guy that I sit next to in class? You know, what is your heart for this hike that I'm on right now? Like the Lord, a, a lie that we bite into, buy into is that the Lord isn't thinking about everything at any given time and that we're just like remembering ways in which he, he, uh, 
he is thinking about us. So by us asking that question, we're just asking like, Lord, I just want to be in tune with that part of your heart right now. So that, that prayer in particular, right? What is on your heart, Lord, um, is an intercessory prayer by, by foundation. Um, and it, it's an intercessory prayer, but it's also a recognition of a divine friendship um, that I, I think is really important to understand in all of this. That, like I said at the beginning, this is all about Jesus. Like, we just want to hear about him. Like, we want to hear where his heart is. We want to be confidants for the Lord. Where if nothing else, we can just hear the, the thoughts that he has for individuals, even if, you know, we don't necessarily have an opportunity to, to offer them. Um, cool. So we've asked that question. What I am going to propose as well is that the first thing that you hear, you latch on to. Um, because no matter how normal or how strange it might be, if we don't test it, we will never know whether or not it was from the Lord. So it would actually be a disservice to the Lord if we didn't go about testing something that we, we feel or hear or, or see in our mind. Um, cool, so let's imagine that I was just like, Lord, what is your, your heart um, for Brother X? And I see a deer, right? Um, and I'm like, whoa, cool. I don't know what that means. Then the next step is ask, like, Lord, what do you mean by that? Very simple, right? Um, and then as we're at this step, the, like these three questions are crucial. So I want you to listen up. So this is a, a really easy way of discerning spirits. Um, so number one question, is it true? So let's say I saw this deer and I was like, Lord, what, what are you saying by that? And he, like, I hear in my mind, um, that brother isn't any better than a deer, right? Then I'd be like, okay, is that true? No. So I can be like, okay, cool. That's not from the Lord. Um, but let's say, uh, the Lord was just saying, um, like this young man is yearning, uh, for me in the same way that a deer yearns for water and he just needs to know how much I care about him. Um, I'd be like, cool. Is it true? That is correct. Yes, it is. Um, so number one question, is it true? Number two, is it a building? So is what I'm receiving actually going to upbuild them or is it just going to tear them down and cause them to despair? Uh, if, if we're not actively being pastoral, uh, if you will, about that, um, and discerning whether or not we should say it, um, then we're, we're actually, uh, in effect, injuring their, their soul rather than, than upbuilding them uh, and uplifting them. So uh, we have, is it true? Is it upbuilding? And finally, does it bring peace? Um, so this is a matter more of, of uh, knowing, like, Lord, is this going to cause dysfunction um, or distress? So the Lord, whenever he comes, never causes dysfunction. He never causes distress. He only brings peace because peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and therefore is a fruit of the Holy Spirit's, the Spirit's presence in a conversation, place, person. Um, cool. So we've asked the Lord, what's on your heart? Uh, you know, we, we've latched on. We don't know what it means. We've asked. We've gone through these three things. All of them have been answered yes. Cool. Um, then we're, we're going to go into... To, the means by which we're going to deliver the word. Uh, and actually, before I, I get there, 
Um, this is, is an additional note uh, for pastoral qualities. Um, we should never deliver uh, a prophetic word. Um, we, we actually, let me rephrase this. We should only deliver a prophetic word to the extent uh, at which it is prudent and possible for us to journey with that brother or sister in that word. Um, so for example, uh, vocations, probably not good for you to prophesy into someone's vocation. So like, say you're praying with somebody and you're like, man, I'm really like the Lord's telling me they're going to be a priest. Um, number one, it's probably not possible for you to journey with them through that whole thing. Quite frankly, a lot of that discernment goes on within their own heart uh, and within their own circumstance. So you can't journey with them in that. And also, so for a lot of people, you're, or not for a lot of people, for some people that you might be praying with for, I don't know, like the first and only time, it's not prudent for you to like drop a bomb and then mic drop and get out of there. You know what I mean? Um, that was just an additional note. Anyway, so delivering the word, right? Um, so with a, a brother or sister that can receive it, um, there, there's like a very simple formula we, that we could use. Uh, no matter when we're, we're delivering a word, it should always be in humility. Um, a humility is just foundational to, to everything, but it, we're giving them the freedom to ultimately reject that. Um, so we, we talked about the power of our words and how it, it has creative power. Um, we also have free will. Um, so we can't just speak something over someone and have it come into being. They, they need to come into agreement with it um, for it to ha have any power within their lives. Um, so for example, I, you know, I've discerned this word about the deer or whatever. Um, and I go up to this brother and I'm like, hey, um, yeah, I was just kind of uh, praying for you. And, and the Lord was just, uh, he just like kind of brought up on, on my heart this, right? You could phrase it like that. Or um, let's say you're in a conversation with someone who straight up is not going to receive uh, you with your big flowery Jesus talk. Um, you just be like, hey, man, I, I don't know if, if you believe in this. I just think you need to know like how much Jesus cares for you. I, maybe that was bold or, or whatever, but yeah, I just want you to know that. Or you could be even more simple and just be like, dude, you're awesome. Like, you're really amazing. I don't know if anyone's told but I think you really need to know it. I think you need to know that people care for you, right? All of these three uh, were encapsulations of, of this discerned word that I just had, um, but it's scaled to what people are able to receive. So a big role of the prophet is to take what we've received and be able to interpret. If we're not interpreting words, our prophecy is, is rendered useless. So if I discern a deer, and then I just go up uh, to, to Brother G, and I just say, deer, and then walk away, that might have been a prophetic word, but it means literally nothing. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's one of the, the awesome things that we're privileged to be able to do, is to discern these words. Um, yeah, I additionally, it doesn't just have to be in the context of us going through this, like, like, Oh, uh, like I'm in a prayer meeting. I got this, this going on, this whole prophetic process. Um, I just, the, the story that always comes to my mind is the story of Saul and Samuel. So we, when Saul was being cut off from the, his kingship, when he was being cut off from, uh, the, the children of Israel, Saul or Samuel tells him as such and turns to go. And when Saul grabs his garment to stop him, the garment tears. Samuel looks back and says, in the same way that my garment has been torn, so you were torn off from the children of God 
on this day. So in that same way, right, he saw something in the natural, something that like had, you know, ostensibly very little to do with any sort of prayer. But he, he went through his prophetic process where he was like, Lord, what are you trying to speak through this? And he delivered what the Lord was speaking, right? So in that same way, the Lord can permeate our every day, right? And I think this is actually the, the foundation of what it means to be a prophetic people, is that no matter what we're doing, where we are, it is always possible. And in fact, I would say really important for us to be asking like, Lord, what is your heart for this place? Um, like that uh, is to, to walk into, to houses, walk into rooms and just say, Lord, what do you want to do here? Like, Lord, what, who, who do you want me to speak to? Like who needs to, you know, um, I had a, a certain brother um, ask me the other day, like, what is the point that's too much? Like, it doesn't seem reasonable um, to, to just assume that I can do this all the time. Um, and quite frankly, the unsatisfactory, that's up to you. I like always wants to speak to you. Um, and it, this is not a matter of guilting at all. Like the Lord is perfectly happy with speaking to you as, as much as you are willing to speak to you. Yeah. So, so Lord is always speaking and he's speaking through so many different things. I, we get really caught up sometimes um, in thinking like, oh, this is just from me. This is just in my head. Um, but I would challenge that and just say, can't the Lord use that too? Um, like if the Lord can use somebody tearing somebody else's clothes, can't he use the mind that, that's already moving in the same way? Um, cool. Um, a, a couple last things. Um, yeah. So number one, as we, we practice prophecy, quote unquote, um, I just want to say we are not trying to find our poetic voice. Um, so we as individuals are all going to, to present what the Lord is doing differently. And that's really good. Um, like for one person, you might be really gifted in describing things uh, sensorily, uh, or another person might be really good uh, at just saying like bluntly, what someone needs to hear, right? Keep those things. Don't change the way that you think and the way that you are uh, just because you think that that's how this works um, because it's, it's not. The Lord uses you. It's through your own lens. Um, cool. Um, see, right? Uh, had a discussion with someone in which we were just talking about like, doesn't that seem forced? Like what's the, like, that just seems like we're becoming like the prophet. Um, but what, what I just want to challenge you with, it, it's something that I've already said, um, like practicing prophecy is so much less about us. I'm doing real say, and much more about saying, Lord, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have seen what your heart was in this, for this situation. So in this moment, just by a seemingly random act, I have had the privilege to start 
is moving and how your heart is beating for this person. Um, yeah, so I, I also want to say, I, I think these are my last few points. Um, yeah, we, we practice prophecy for a few reasons. Number one, um, it's so that we grow with, um, like when you first start asking the Lord to speak, it's going to be uncomfortable and you're not going to trust it a whole heck of a lot. But as we get more comfortable with what is and what isn't the Lord's voice, which we can discover through testing things, right? Then we're able to hear his voice more clearly. I liken this to like the volume knob, knob on a radio. And then we practice prophecy likewise to get more comfortable with uncomfortability in both who we, we deliver words to right giving that example earlier first one i gave which was probably unwise was a bold one where i just said hey i don't know if you believe this but but jesus actually cares a lot for you or whatever i said and then the other one I, I backed off right so at first we're probably going to start with the latter but as we we progress in our comfortability in this uncomfortability we're going to find new ways to proclaim the truth unadulterated and in the way that the lord wants to speak it right um yeah, and, and I, I also want to state um, your households and, and those in your small groups and, and things like that are a really low-risk way to practice this. Um, like, for the most part, I don't think you're going to get smacked uh, by anyone um, for delivering an encouraging word or a word that you think the Lord has for them. Um, but yeah, I, I, we're, we're trying uh, to progress uh, more and more towards using this for the proclamation of the Lord's heart to his people. Um, and I, I think this is my last reason for why we practice prophecy. And it harkens back to my first point at the very beginning. Uh, and I think it, it's really the most important. Um, and it, it, it's the one that's fed my prayer the most. Um, it's so that we might just be listeners to the whispers of Jesus on the cross. Like he wasn't able to yell. Like he, he screamed a little bit because of pain, but he couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't speak real loud. And we have the privilege as those who have the mind of Christ through our baptism to just hear his whispers. That if nothing else, even if, if we aren't able, especially in this time of, of social distancing, to physically tell someone like, this is what the Lord is saying about you or, or you know, that we're able to listen and just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm here to listen to you. Like, I'm not going to leave the foot of this cross. Um, yeah, cool. So we're, we're going to end my portion just with the prayer. And then we're going to deliver uh, a, a word that she received in prayer. And she's just going to go receiving that word. Um, so once again, wherever you are, just turn your eyes to him in the spirit. So Father God, I just ask that whatever blessings you've given to me, whatever ways in which I've heard your voice more clearly in these past few months, God, I just ask that you pour that out upon your people here. That we are called to be a, a prophetic people, a people that is continually seeking what you have for this campus. A people that you are, we are, just need to continually be seeking what you're doing, God. Not only what you're saying, but what you're doing. Jesus, we're in love with you. 
We just want to know what your heart is yelling. We just want to know what you're whispering, God. I ask that you seal whatever was spoken that was from you, God. And I ask that whatever was from me might be forgotten. I ask that I be forgotten. No one remembers that I gave this talk, God. I just ask that the only thing that stays on people's hearts is what you've been speaking. You are so worthy. And we offer all of this through the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Aaliyah, wherever you are, here she is. Go ahead, Leah. There you are. Hello. <laughs> okay, so um, I'll start off with how I received this word and kind of the process that I went through. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, so yeah, I was taking part of my prayer time to just simply sit and um, just sit in the silence and listen to what the Lord has to say. Um, and I wanted to go broad first. I was asking what um, he had for the SPO community um, first. And I usually ask for Bible verses because that's the way that he speaks um, the best to me um, as compared to like thoughts or images. Um, and yeah, so instead of actually receiving like the Bible verse, I actually just opened my Bible and this was the first thing I landed on. Um, and I read it and I kind of just read the facts. I just like the concrete things that are written. Um, and then I said the words like, Lord revealed to me the meaning of this. Um, and then everything else just kind of flowed from there. Um, and I knew that this was something of the Lord because it was so directed it was so clear. Um, my prayer time recently has been scattered, but this was just like, there is no other option of what this was. Um, yeah, so if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me, um, but I'm also going to read it so you can listen. It's from Second Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Um, okay, here we go. A certain woman, the widow of one of the guild prophets, cried out to Elisha, my husband, your servant, is dead. You know that he revered the Lord, yet now his creditor has come to take my two children into servitude. Elisha answered her, What am I to do for you? Tell me what you have in this house. She replied, This servant of yours has nothing in the house but a jug of oil. He said, Go out, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, as many empty vessels as you can. Then come back and close the door on yourselves and your children, Pour the oil into all the vessels, and as each is filled, set it aside. So she went out, she closed the door on herself and her children, and as they handed her the vessels, she would pour in oil. When all the vessels were filled, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. He answered, there is none left, and then the oil stopped. So for this, I want to start with just focusing on um, what the woman was feeling. She was feeling just complete um, mourning over what she's lost and the state that she's in. She was helpless and she was anxious about the future and what was about to happen. Um, so as a response to all of this, she was called 
to go to her own house behind closed doors to be by herself. And then the Lord multiplied what she already had. She did not need anything else. It was her own oil. We already have the gifts and the talents that the Father um, has bestowed to us, and he's just ready to multiply them. Um, sometimes the Lord works in huge and miraculous ways, and that's great, but he also like wants to work in the peace of our hearts and inside our homes. Um, and then there's also one line that really sticks out. It's um, that the creditor has come to take my two children into servitude. And right now we may feel that we are um, slaves to this time and that we are um, becoming chained down by what's happening around us. But really, he just wants to set us free through all.